Got a quorum? Yeah, there we go. All right. Okay, well, I had fun putting some stuff together for this, and uh, I thought I'd start by reading a Shakespearean sonnet. And before you freak out, it's not too long. <laughs> it's actually, it actually fits very nicely with Workbook Lesson 107. And uh, it, it, uh, it goes, Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. So we'll spend, work on the next hour kind of uh, <laughs> putting that in plain English. <laughs> and was, that, was that in a particular play? Uh, no, that's just one of his sonnets. And, and I'm not a Shakespeare scholar, but uh, there is a, a friend of mine named Stephen who's in our Ashland uh, uh, online study group. And uh, um, it, well, he actually was attending in person for a number of years. And, and he would recite this from memory a, a few times uh, during uh, you know, recent years. But, but wow. I think this really fits nicely with, with uh, the truth that uh, doesn't change. And that's our, the, the light from the, the lighthouse that you know certainly Ken and Gloria probably uh, you know immediately recognized as a great symbol for you know the constancy that we're all looking for the certainty the uh, the the rock and the foundation metaphorically that we can trust in so I think this workbook lesson really speaks very nicely to that and it's uh, I, I had I had just a really feeling of deep peace reading through this again uh, yet one more well several times <laughs> going through this. Uh, truth will correct errors, all, all errors in my mind. Uh, and I, I'm remembering that, that uh, Helen was inspired by Shakespeare and also by Plato. And, uh, you know, Plato's allegory of the cave actually fits really nicely with, with this as well, because the truth is actually the light, you know, metaphorically that's outside the cave. And we're so fixated, not only, not only, not even on, um, you know, the, the physical light, we're, we're, we're fixated on the shadows of things that, that change. And so we've got kind of, you know, doubly remo removed from the truth and words are symbols of symbols. So there's another <laughs> double removal from, from what we really are. Um, but the, you know, the, I think, I think Plato and Shakespeare actually come together pretty nicely in this workbook lesson and, and it doesn't surprise me that, uh, you know, Helen <laughs> found both of those inspiring. So uh, I, I did, uh, I, with a tip of the hat, uh, Tim, to your your diligence in looking for occurrences of different words in the chorus, I, I went through and I, I used um, an online thesaurus to find uh, synonyms for truth. And I found things like accuracy, authenticity, certainty, fact, legitimacy, principle, truthfulness, veracity, actuality, uh, correctness, exactitude, um, facts, genuineness, and things like that. So and I, I just grabbed a few of those and, and put them in. I don't have the, the big red with me here. <laughs> that's, in, that's in Oregon. So, so I just did the next best thing, which is the, uh, for me, the, uh, the Miracle Distribution Center search tool. And um, soon to be um, Leapfrog by another one from FIP, but that's another story. Uh, so I, I put in some words um, into their search engine and found 369 instances of the word truth. And now this is, you'll probably find more in, the, in the, the concordance because this just gives you the number of hits for um, sections on the text and workbook lessons and uh, sections in the manual. So there's probably a lot more than that. Uh, so 369 for truth, uh, 282 for true, 
um, 190 for certain. And these things seems like a whole lot to, you know, <laughs> plenty to work with there if we want to dive into it deeper. And then going down in, in number, correct was 130 instances of that. 120 for fact. Um, 110 for right. Bruce, can you just put it in a spreadsheet for us? <laughs> I'm almost done here. I, I, I believe I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I know. I know. That's cute. That's, I like that. Uh, let's see. 71 for exact. Um, uh, let's see. 37 for actual. Uh, 26 for fixed, which is one of the words in the sonnet that I just read. Uh, nine for genuine. Uh, five for unchanging and two for gospel, <laughs> which is more of a, a kind of a biblical connection and uh, two for legitimate. And then, and uh, then the one that was in the, the synonym uh, list that I didn't read that apparently has been added recently was dope and uh, uh, <laughs> dope wasn't found anywhere in the course. So, so go I figure. Do. I had to explain that to Lynn last night. She kept looking at me like I was making it up. <laughs> no, that's a barely pretty commonly used word for slang now. I, I hear that on, on the voice when I've listened to that. Oh, it's a really dope song. Yeah. Anyway, so, but I thought I'd, I'd, you know, pick some of the ones that were, uh, you know, more, more frequently used. And, uh, oh, shoot, I, I lost, I turned the page, but I think it was, was it one? Well, I had it open, then I flipped my book. But anyway, I just had a conversation with C.A. Brooks, and, and she was reminding me of, um, was it one, was it one fifty-three? Anyway, there's a workbook lesson that that starts. I could probably, I could, I could use the search tool and find it real quick. Um, it's the Can you imagine? Let's find that. I, I can find this real quick here. If you'll just bear with me for a moment, and it is. And let's, let's use the exact phrase. That'll find it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, 107. That's it. So 107 kind of ties into it a little bit. So I'll just read a little bit of that. And it's coming up right there. Yeah, so what, there's, a, there's a second paragraph in Lesson 107. Is, can you imagine what a state of mind without illusions is? How would it feel? Try to remember when there was a time, perhaps a minute, maybe even less, when nothing came to interrupt your peace, when you were certain you were loved and safe. Then try to picture, oh, th this is the same lesson. Oh, I was thinking there was another one. That's why it sounds so familiar. <laughs> well, there was another lesson somewhere. But anyway, well, why don't, you, why don't we just read the lesson? Because I think it has so much. But there was another one, I think, that had that same line. But it's not coming up here. For, oh, here it is. Oh, it's, it's chapter 15, uh, The Holy Instant. That's, that's what it was. I was thinking something 15. Okay. I knew I'd find it. Okay. So chap, the first few lines of chapter 15. Yeah, here it is. Can you imagine what it means to have no cares, no worries, no anxieties, but to but merely to be perfectly calm and quiet all the time? Yet that is what it, what time is for, to learn just that and nothing more. God's teacher cannot be satisfied with his teaching until it constitutes all your learning. So anyway, I, I just thought that tied in nicely with, with this lesson. And uh, so I, I'll just start by reading the first paragraph of 107 and then we can talk about it. I was just thinking another John Lennon song. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, we're asked to imagine what it would be like without the ego. And there's a little chart behind me that I'm going to get into after we finish enough of the lesson to get the gist of it here. So, um, so it's really, you know, undoing the, the, the illusion, undoing the the belief in separation that, that the ego tries to mask and cover up. So um, right off the bat, what can correct illusions but the truth? And what are errors but illusions that remain unrecognized for what they are? Where truth has entered, errors disappear. They merely vanish, leaving not a trace by which to be remembered. They are gone because without belief they have no life. And so they disappear to nothingness, returning whence they came. From dust to dust they come and go, for only truth remains. So right off the bat, you know, we're given a, an opportunity to, to just look 
at the possibility, you know, consider the possibility that maybe beyond all the stuff that we've put in front of the awareness of peace, there really is a peace that's so profound that we couldn't possibly, as egos, imagine what that might be like. I'll just read the next paragraph too. I was just thinking that he could have stuck that paragraph in that sonnet you read. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's, there's the word altar coming up in here, which is what, what triggered the remembrance of that sonnet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so that we're about to get to that one too pretty quick. So yeah, for sure. Can you imagine what a state of mind without illusions is? How would it feel? Try to remember when there was a time, perhaps a minute, maybe even less, when nothing came to interrupt your peace when you were certain you were loved and safe. We could stop right there and just, just let that soak in and, and marinate in that for, for eternity, huh? Just, you know, to know that we're loved and safe, that, that right there and with certainty, with nothing that could possibly shake that. I mean, and that's to me that, you know, the, all those synonyms for truth, it's like, well, if we can get back to that place in our mind where nothing could possibly change what is unchangeable and, and recognize that our real identity is that thing, that, that essence, that awareness, that being, that light that we took with us into the dream. Then try to picture what it would be like to have that moment be extended to the end of time and to eternity. Then let the sense of quiet that you felt be multiplied a hundred times and then be multiplied another hundred more. So I like math, um, and <laughs> and of course Ken's quick to point out that Jesus can't count past one. So this must have been a stretch for him, you know, <laughs> metaphorically. But but he's already got us up to ten thousand. And then if you skip back to lesson one hundred six, I I read that to review, and he he's he's up to a, a hundred. Uh, no, to, to a thousand. He goes up to a thousand in in lesson one hundred six. If you if you read that, you'll find the word a thousand. So he's up to ten thousand here. So I figure by the time he gets to lesson one hundred nine, he's up to a million. Uh, and that's C. A. Brooks's favorite lesson, which I just had a conversation with her a couple hours ago about this. <laughs> so anyway, but hundred thousand, you know, and then t then a million, and then but just it's building, and 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 I think that's. You know, we, we think in terms of magnitude because we think it's more and more because, you know, the ego doesn't know how to think in terms of oneness joined as one. So we just need those, you know, numerical metaphors. But, but I, think, I think that's what kind of drew me into studying math and, and geometry and things like that. Because like, well, what doesn't change even in the world? Um, well, the laws of mathematics and the laws of physics. Although mathematics is probably a little bit more pristine than physics because, you know, if time and space, you know, are wiped out, if the big bang collapses in and of itself, you know, you could kind of maybe conceive of math still having some validity, but, but then if there's only one thing, then what would you need math for? So, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, kind of, kind of silly, right? <laughs> so anyway, anyone want to read the third paragraph? Jim's going for it. Okay. I'll be glad. Yeah. So, and now you have a hint. Not more than just the faintest intimation of the state your mind will rest in when the truth has come. Without illusions, there would be no fear, no doubt, and no attack. When truth has come, all pain is over. For there is no room for transitory thoughts and dead ideas to linger in your mind. Truth occupies your mind completely, liberating you from all the beliefs in the ephemeral. They have no place because the truth has come. and They are nowhere. They cannot be found. For truth is everywhere, forever, now. So obviously we, we have some work, uh, work cut out for us in, in uh, recognizing that the ephemeral stuff, all the stuff that changes and comes and goes is you know, what we're fixated on. And you know, we're, we're hypnotized and, and mesmerized by the idea that, that uh, you know, that's gotta be the real deal. I saw it on TV, I saw it on the TV of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that that must that must be my reality, and you know, and it shouts loudly and and makes a big fuss, to, you know, to 
with its propaganda to convince us that that's what we are. But there's still this little voice that says, no, maybe not so fast. Maybe there's another, <laughs> another reality that isn't subject to all that turmoil and, and, and craziness. Who wants to read paragraph four? Before we, before we move on, I just, I think of another definition of honesty is one of those synonyms that could mm -hmm. go with truth is mm -hmm. honesty in the course's meaning is consistent. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I thought of that as I was going through this. Yeah. That, that, and that's exactly fits in perfectly with the truth is it's, that's the, the honesty that dispels the, the ego's lie, which is, is, it's not sinful, evil, or wicked. It's just silly. It's just, it's just when you, when you see that it's not true, why would you want to believe an untruth? <laughs> it's like, you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyone want to read paragraph four? Yeah, I'll read uh, four. Okay, thanks, Abby. When truth has come, it does not stay a while to disappear or change to something else. It does not shift and alter in its form, nor come and go and go and come again. It stays exactly as it always was, to be depended on in every need and trusted with a perfect trust in all the seeming difficulties and the doubts that the appearances the world presents engender. They will merely blow away when truth corrects the errors in your mind. Any comments on that? I like the blow away part. <laughs> it's like talking about a feather or a button going through clouds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's yep. so ephemeral. It is, yeah. It's just like, just, you know, it's uh, nothing. Now, from the ego's perspective, it's like this massive, you know, 10 foot thick lead reinforced concrete and, you know, door or, you know, locked forever shut. Um, blocking out all hope of light or even any electromagnetic radiation, <laughs> let alone light. And, uh, the, the, from the, anyway, but, you know, that's the whole craziness of the ego's strategy is it, is it makes it seem like this impenetrable, uh, you know, barrier. All, this, all of our grievances that, you know, we pile up against the, the light and, you know, forgiveness just, you know, from the perspective of the Holy Spirit, we, we turn it around. It's like... Just, you know, little, little wisps of dust that can be blown away easily. How about number five? Any volunteers for five? I'll do five. <clears throat> Thanks, Dave. When truth has come, it harbors in its wings the gift of perfect constancy and love which does not falter in the face of pain, but looks beyond it steadily and sure. Here is the gift of healing, for the truth needs no defense, and therefore no attack is possible. Illusions can be brought to truth. Yeah, illusions can be brought to truth to be corrected, but the truth stands far beyond illusions, and cannot be brought to them, to turn them into truth. Your thoughts on that, Dave? Oh, if you uh, uh, let's see. <clears throat> I, I had a thought once. Um, let's <laughs> so, um, yeah, <clears throat> it, it just what they're, they're talking about here is that <clears throat> uh, it, it just gives you the sense that there's something so steadfast and um, calm that it's, um, <clears throat> it, its ability to see through illusion is just unswerving and gentle and um, I don't know. It's, I'm just getting more of a feeling about this than, than you know, any any technical words. But that, that's that's the feeling that comes to my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a really a deeply peaceful place, isn't it? That we're being asked to, you know, consider consider why we're not <laughs> wanting to be there more often. Yeah, and I, and I think it's inevitable. You know, our, our tolerance for pain may be high, as the Course says, but it's not without limit. And so at some point, we're going to say, hey, you know, I think maybe I could try doing this more consistently. 
How about number six? Anyone like to read that? I got it. Um, Truth does not come and go, nor shift, nor change. In this appearance now and then and that, evading capture and escaping grasp. Truth does not hide. It stands in open light in obvious accessibility. Truth is impossible that anyone could seek it truly and would not succeed. Today belongs to truth. Give truth its due and it will give you yours. You were not meant to suffer and to die. Your father will wills these dreams be gone. Let truth correct them all. Mm. And your cliff notes summary on that <laughs> might be. <laughs> I have no cliff notes. <laughs> no? Oh, come on. You've always got something <laughs> profound and, and wise to say, Tim. <laughs> Not what to decide, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the way you kind of just, sometimes I feel like you just sneaks in there and throws death in. <laughs> like, uh, you really got to know this is all going the other shoe's going to drop and you believe in death. That's always the case. And that's what the whole thought system, the ego is based on belief in death. So you are not meant to suffer. You are not meant to die. We were not meant to suffer. We were not meant to die. The whole thought system of death, the rug gets pulled on it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's, all, it's almost like truth or death, you know? Instead of truth or dare. <laughs> <laughs> or dare, yeah. Yeah, the encompassing uh, thing about truth, it, it just, um, it, it, it's just, it's there for you uh, to accept. But in the acceptance, uh, there's no other, uh, there's, there's no other ifs and buts like, you know what I mean? You accept the truth and nothing else but the truth. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's our challenge, isn't it, Bruce? Because we, we, we all kind of him and haw as egos, but at some point we realize that that's exactly what keeps us stuck in the, the ego's loop of, of uh, being at the mercy of the dream, believing that it's the cause. And you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, anyone want to read seven? I just wanted to say it's, it's just hard for us to believe that there isn't anything else but truth. <laughs> it's a pretty convincing hologram, the 3D moving hologram of unimaginable proportions, and yet it's dwarfed by the truth of what we are. That's, that's, that's even more staggering when we think, you know, our real self, the real being that we are, is outside of space and time, outside of the illusion, and it's infinite magnitude makes the ego's dream and its projected universe infinitesimal by comparison. I mean, it, it just, when we even try to contemplate that, it's just like, <laughs> it's a total mind warp, isn't it? But, but that's what the course tells us is that, you know, what we really are is so lofty, not in a comparative sense, there's no comparison at all. You know, it's, it, it, it has no opposite. So it's all, you know, it's, that's the all encompassing awareness that we, you know, we took with us into the dream, but it, it really doesn't have any, there's no way that perfect oneness can be compared with anything that's not itself. And I think that's what we're drawn to. We're drawn to that serenity that transcends any uncertainty, any, any uh, fluctuation or change or, or instability. Yeah. And in that sense, it becomes a litmus test for, have I reached that third, third state, stage of forgiveness? Mm -hmm. Like and one of the ways of describing, you know, we go for the for the, through the first two steps of forgiveness, and one of the ways of describing that ultimate state of the third step is, am I certain? <laughs> it, you know, am, am I kind of even though I'm still seeing seeing separated images, do I have a sense of the truth right now? Mm -hmm. Is there any doubt at all? Yeah. 
and and he's, that's not to beat ourselves up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. He, he's yeah. he's really uh, happy where Jesus is really happy where we're at least attempting to do the first two steps. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And and we get a little feedback. We get a you know a, a response that reinforces that because we feel a little more peaceful and a little less upset all the time when we don't buy into the ego's misinterpretation of things. And um, I. Maybe you have the answer to this, um, Bruce, with your mathematical mind. You know, once all this dissolves down to the nothingness um, from where it started, um, you know, what's to prevent us from doing it again, you know? Well, I think that's the kind of the classic, you know, how did the impossible occur? It's, it, and, and everything that the ego puts out really is a, a, a statement, you know, disguised as a question. But... Um, you know, sometimes, you know, these life's imponderables seem like they're, they're questions, but if we really examine if, how we're feeling, we realize, well, that's actually a statement. I'm assuming that the basic premise, the basic jurisdiction of the ego's, you know, laws of chaos is correct. And from that premise, you know, we're going to draw all kinds of crazy conclusions. But if we, if we listen to Holy Spirit's correction, uh, we see that it had no valid foundation. And therefore, the question really is, a statement and it presupposes, you know, an assumption that's not true. And that's what we're trying to get back to is the truth that doesn't require any, you know, <laughs> fake assumptions. It doesn't require any conditions or any, any, uh, any yeah. And even if we did do it again, it doesn't really matter. You know, even if it is something, it's not really, it doesn't really, even if we do it again and again and again. Uh, and, that, and that was Tim's point, I think, recently in bringing up the, the comment that, uh, you know, Jesus was asking Helen to consider when, when uh, you know, you know, how can you help me with my fear? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, maybe, I'm getting the, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but on the context, but it was basically, you know, why do you ask for help in, you know, correcting this when, you, you know, the past, when you're still doing it in the present? You know, wasn't it something like that? It was, you know. I think something along those lines where, you know, if, as long as we're still asking a question that's based on a faulty premise, we're still wanting to believe the faulty premise. So we have to just, you know, kind of ask the Holy Spirit to say, okay, what's, what's the reality behind this until we, you know, get past the ego's questions and ask the Holy Spirit's question, which is always, which thought system are you choosing at any given moment? Anybody for yeah, seven? it's it's oh, in ahead. the illusion for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to read seven? I can do that. Okay. We do not ask for what we do not have. We merely ask for what belongs to us, that we may recognize it as our own. Today we practice on the happy note of certainty that has been born of truth. The shaky and unsteady footsteps of illusion are not our approach today. We are as certain of success as we are sure we live and hope and breathe and think. We do not doubt we walk with truth today and count on it to enter into all our or the exercises that we do this day. Well, it's, it's putting um, a certain amount, it seems, over here with me as a responsibility to... Um, you know, he says, we're certain today. We're certain of success. Uh, and we've just gone through a series of lessons where they're all about, you know, God's will for me is perfect happiness. And, you know, God has given me everything. And in fact, somewhere in here, I think he said, you already have everything. This is just a recognition. And so it's like, well, if I do not feel this certainty, I must be the one that just is plain not willing to feel this certainty. Yeah. Since it's something I already have, 
and it's also been God's will for me. And uh, as he says, you know, why, sh why shouldn't I choose to go against his will? You know, what would that be like to absolutely walk with certainty that this is all accomplished? That would be the atonement. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. I was also thinking about how, you know, where it says we are certain of success as we are sure we live and hope and breathe and think. I think he's also, in a sense, sort of poking fun in the, always the most gentle, kind-hearted way of we, we think as separate selves, we think we, we live, and that's really the ego's existence as bodies, and we think we have hopes and, and those bodies breathe and think with their brains, but, but you know, we're, we're, we're pretty sure of that. And yet, <laughs> the certainty he's offering us blows all that stuff out of the water, basically. He's, he's saying, yeah, you're, you, you think you're sure of that, but, but I, think, um, I think I can offer you something even more certain <laughs> than all that stuff you think you are. So, anyway, anybody for paragraph eight? I'll do eight. Okay. Begin by asking him who goes with you upon this undertaking, that he be in your awareness as you go with him. You are not made of flesh and blood and bone, but were created by the self-same thought, which gave the gift of life to him as well. He is your brother, and so like to you, your father knows that you are both the same. It is yourself you asked to go with you. And how could you, and how could he be absent where you are? Yeah. Begin by asking him. You know, we do not ask for what we do not have. So mm -hmm. uh, that's where we usually start with the ego, you know. We're always asking for something that uh, we think we need. But uh, if we begin by asking him, he lets us know that we don't have any lack. Mm -hmm. And uh, we uh, ask for our awareness to go with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Remind, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that reminds me of my, my favorite uh, quote in the, the song of prayer. The secret of true prayer is to forget the things you think you need, as in the, the ego thinks it needs. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that we stop doing stuff in the world. It just means we don't take it quite so seriously and, and just kind of have a little inner smile when we do all the stuff throughout the day and just say, yeah, and this nitty, 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 this isn't it. This isn't the thing that's going to be the be all end all I, I can do all those things with the holy spirit you know hand in hand i can chew gum and walk so to speak i can i can you know keep um the idea that i have never left that perfect oneness that truth in my mind while i go about the things of the day and uh you know it's, it's just a, a simple multitasking of <laughs> do, doing simple things in the world and and not thinking of them as being the be all end all i suppose huh? Yeah, I also think it, he talks about the thought that uh, we all have the same interests together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, he, uh, the thought that gave the gift of life to him as well. Exactly. He is your brother. And so, like to you, your father knows. And you, the capital Y, are both the same. Mm -hmm. So, he's, he's, he's saying to this, this thought that is uh, the life of uh, the Holy Spirit is the same in you. Exactly. The spirit we all share. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and it's what we all share. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's completely congruent, identical, and equal. That, that spirit is, is, is synonymous in all of us, right? It's, it can't be different, <laughs> except in a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone for number nine? Who hasn't read yet? Might like to. Anyone? If not, I'll read. Okay. I can I'll, read. Okay. Thanks, Peggy. Peggy Lee. Truth will correct all errors in your mind which tell you 
could be apart from him. You speak to him today and make your pledge to let his function be fulfilled through you. To share his function is to share his joy. His confidence is with you as you say, truth will correct all errors in my mind and I will rest in him who is myself. There's a little bit more. One more sentence. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. oh. um, then let him lead you gently to the truth, which will envelop you and give you peace so deep and tranquil that you will return to the familiar world reluctantly. Any thoughts about That's that? It's quite beautiful. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we can all feel the, the quality of integrity and, and strength and um, certainty and unchangeableness behind the words, huh? Yeah. What I'm, what I'm kind of getting here is, so lessons 100 through maybe 105-ish, he was talking about the state of the right mind, what, what not hanging on to sin looks like anymore. So there's the happiness, there's the joy, there's a piece of, of identifying with the Holy Spirit and then being able to look at it. One way of putting it is looking at the tiny mad idea and, take, and realizing it's silly that the tiny mad idea couldn't happen. And so that happiness and that peace and that joy that comes out of that experience. And then, you know, he, he talks about in 106, the Holy Spirit. And, and he's like, Listen, how to, you know, emphasis on let me just shut up <laughs> and, and, and be still. And, and then maybe I can hear the Holy Spirit. And now he's like taking another leap here because he's going into capital S self stuff. I mean, he keeps nudging us up the ladder here. So we went right mind, the Holy Spirit, and now we're in capital S self-territory. And it starts sounding really schizophrenic. In one sense, like, I'm trying to appeal to the real me as if I'm a me trying to appeal to the real me. <laughs> right, right. You start thinking about that, it gets really loony really quick. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like there's like a rubber band in, in the ego mind that keeps pulling us back away from the decision maker to, to its concept of self and and that, that concept of self has no cognizance of the decision maker and so it's always saying well okay but how do i choose you know which which illusion do i get to do this for me now and and the holy spirit says no 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 you got to get above the battleground look at it with with you know the decision maker that sees all illusions as the same illusion a equals illusion b equals illusion c on ad infinitum and from there it's going to be an easier you know process but but until you can learn to generalize and, and we need to be really patient with ourselves while we learn to generalize, don't we? Cause it's, you know, cause we the, each, each have, you know, things around the, the wheel of misfortune that seem to be more bigger deals than other things. And everybody has their own personal, you know, uh, sacred cows and, and uh, special love, special hate, hot buttons. Um, so, you know, as we're going through the process you know, we just need to be really gentle with ourselves and recognize that, our hot buttons and our sacred cows might be different from someone else's and uh and but we're all going to end up in the same place and in fact we're already home <laughs> and we can afford to be really patient with ourselves and each other uh with that awareness right so. yeah, and like yeah like paragraph eight line four it is your capital itself you ask to go down the road with you like like Who's the me that he's my capital S self is walking next to? <laughs> I mean, it yeah. kind of begins to evaporate in the, you know, this is like, like instead of the rubber band pull back into a sense of separate self, there's this, this pull into the realizing we're all this giant one self. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, I, I, this still I, seems to be an, I mean, even, in, you know, in, in line five in paragraph nine and I, will rest in him who is me, <laughs> who is the big me. Right, right. I'll, yeah. I'll rest in that thought. I'll rest in that idea. Yeah. Because there's no other place to rest, actually. <laughs> exactly. When perfect oneness, that's pure, pure non-duality, there's not a lot of other to, to mess with. Is there? <laughs> exactly. Anyone for 10? Paragraph 10? Monica, Alexa, and Bev, Sophia, Robin, Nick. 
Anyone? What page are you on, please? Uh, we're on lesson um, 107 in the workbook, and we're on paragraph 10. Okay, I'll go. Okay. And yet you will be glad to look again upon this world, for you will bring with you the promise of the changes which the truth that goes with you will carry to the world. They will increase with every gift you give of five small minutes, and the errors that surround the world will be corrected as you let them be corrected in your mind. And I wish I had my glasses on. <laughs> Correct, correcting the, the, the dream of photons hitting the retina. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think we can all relate to that one. Any, any thoughts on that, Monica? Uh, no. Okay. Who would like to read 11? Okay, well, I can read the 11. Do not forget your function for today. Each time you tell yourself with confidence, truth will correct all errors in my mind. You speak for all the world and him who would release the world and he would set you free. That awareness is always just like the Maytag repairman just waiting around, <laughs> ready for us to, to call on him, you know. <laughs> Any day now, I'll dust off those cobwebs under my arms and the, shake off the <laughs> sleep out of my eyes and spring into action kind of thing. Well, I thought would be, any other comments on this lesson and, and, and the, whole, I, the whole premise of what's unchanging and, and, uh, and an unalterable. I, I thought that sonnet really fit and, uh, you know, because it's, it's really the alteration. Um, another thought that I had while going through this was uh, I've been reading this. Uh, uh, oh, you can't get with it background. Let's see if I do it that way. There we go. Uh, yeah, Bob Rosenthal's latest book. He, he talks about uh, the di uh, dissociative identity disorder in this book and also the previous one. Not, not a whole lot about that, but it's, I think it's kind of interesting, this split personality you know, dissociative identity disorders, I guess the fancier term for it. But, you know, the idea that we think that we've split into all these different people, you know, and, and, and that's the, the error that needs to be corrected. And then I think the way to get to that is to basically see how we've projected that out onto the world and forgive that projection. So I, I made a couple of graphics here, and I've got the first, the first of two slides behind me. If anyone, unless anyone has any other comments, on the, uh, uh, the, the lesson itself. I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit because I had a fun putting this together. Any other comments on 107 before we go into this? Uh, um, I just wanted uh, just to kind of um, see where we're going with the, you know, Jesus does 20 lessons at a shot before he starts doing review lessons. And so in this, the way he culminates in this, in, over the next few days, 108, 109, 110, is, I just, you know, you get the sense he's nudging us up the ladder. <laughs> exactly. Because, exactly. like, you know, suddenly I'm resting in God, which is pretty lawns of heaven-y, <laughs> if you look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And then I am as God created me. Well, that is heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he keeps like, eh, eh, eh. but in 108, he, usually when he does something like this, when he kind of leans into the capital S self, and tries to give us an experience of it. Usually, the next lesson, he backs off a little bit because he, he knows he's scared us to death. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And now he's going to talk about giving and receiving. Don't worry about anything else. Just try to get hold of giving equals receiving. <laughs> you you can do that. Maybe capital S self is a bit down the road, <laughs> but just for right now, before you go totally lawns of heaven, you know, look at look at just hang on to giving equals receiving, and that'll take you to truth. Mm -hmm. to give and to receive our one and true. So just, you know, a perspective on where this is going. So we don't get too scared. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, there does seem to be that, you know, within within the context of the course's developmental, it's some some rhythm to it so that it, you know, we, we have a little little ease and then, you know, actually in the Masonic lodges, from labor to refreshment and back to labor, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> from, from 
many moons ago. Yes. But uh, anyway, but yeah, that's that's the whole process, isn't it? Just you know, kind of applying and then and then you know, reintegrating and then going forward again and reapplying. Um, so and then we keep coming back to it over and over. We need the repetition to just to work through all the, the the barriers that we've placed there until we can really generalize. Yeah. And on that note, we're really ready for charts now, boys. Charts. Oh, good. Well, I had, I, this is kind of a more general chart, but I think it actually ties into uh, today's lesson as, as well, because it is, it is about correction. And uh, so I, I, I put this as I was trying to come up with something that describes and, you know, kind of graphically the, the, the shields of oblivion. And um, so I was thinking about the Wizard of Oz and that curtain. And, and so, you know, in, the, in that great story, you know, uh, you know, you, the, the Dorothy and, and her companions, uh, you know, they've got the broomstick, you know, for the Wicked Witch, and they're ready to, you know, okay, now, you know, pony up here, you know, deliver on your promise of getting us home here, and, 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 and you know, says, what whiz, the, the whiz, uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz thunders back, you know, wait a minute, you know, hold on, you know, and, uh, and then just about the time that Dorothy's uh, calling him on the carpet for for his failed promise, um, you know. Toto pulls back the curtain, right? And uh, so, but but until that point, though, we're we're basically we're upset by everything. Essentially, we, every everything is a reason and a, an excuse for for staying in a state of turmoil. So I've got the wheel of misfortune in the lower right of this graphic. And the idea, you know, that's, that's the whole, everything's magic here. Everything's, everything is really projection, but that's not how we see it. We think this is the real deal. And I've got the arrow going up to the separate self. And we think that that wheel of misfortune, everything that's in the world defines us. But the, the, the part that I probably should have erased with another little curtain in the middle, <laughs> I guess, is the revelation that, that inside the ego, um, in misinterpretation process, it's, it's misinterpreting, distorting, and filtering what's already an illusion and then ascribing grievances and stuff to it. It's basically saying, you know, everything in the world really is something that, that is upsetting, you know, whether it's a special love or a special hate, whether it's a, a, a drama that seems inconsequential, but, but, you know, there's the hint that, you know, something worse could happen, you know, Murphy's Law, inside of every little problem, there's a much bigger problem trying to get out, you know, <laughs> sub-law of Murphy's Law. Um, you know, there's always, it, as Roseanne, Rosanna Dana said, it's always something, right? And, and that's, that's ego's stock and trade. That's its game. And as long as we don't pull back the curtain, you know, we're at the mercy of the ego. We're always basically, you know, the puppet that is responsible for nothing because, you know, it's done to us. You know, the world is making me the way I am and it's not my fault. Um, and so as long as we, you know, listen to the, the thundering voice of the ego, you know, pay, pay no attention to that dog. <laughs> uh, you know, then, then the ego thinks it's, it's okay. You know, it's, 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 uh, its game is still intact. But eventually, you know, Toto's going to pull back the curtain. And so Holy Spirit saying, you know, trust in Toto. And, and I actually looked up uh, Toto in Wikipedia today. And I was, I was delighted to discover that not only is it, do they reference the, uh, the Wizard of Oz and that graphic of the dog is from the Wikipedia page, but also uh, they mentioned the, the, the music group, the rock group Toto. And they apparently, they were, they thought, uh, the, the comment there about that musical group is that they liked the, the Wizard of Oz, but they were actually more impressed with the Latin meaning of the phrase in toto, which was all encompassing, mm -hmm. which is like, where have we heard that uh, adjective before? What is all encompassing can have no opposite. You know, right off the bat, we're given a clue that that's the thought system that's going to get us out of this crazy, crazy, um, you know, dream where we've, we've blocked off the real cause. We've turned around backwards. We've inverted cause and effect. And we think we're at the mercy of everything in the world. And instead of, um, you know, given the opportunity to be merciful. So to do that, once, once Toto pulls the curtain back, let's go back to the, the other slide. We go to the other slide here, which is this one. Everybody see that one? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, here now the curtains pull back 
And, and so now we say, well, now all this starts to make a little more sense because we're upset, but uh, we, if we, you know, flip the two words, we see it's, it's a setup. And that's the ego setup is, is the real cause that's hidden from the ego mind. And that is our pr projected unconscious, unfounded guilt. It, it's unconscious because as long as that curtain's drawn, um, you know, we're not going to pay attention to the mind and we're going to just be mindless zombies and, and puppets at the mercy of the world. But once we pull back the curtain and listen to Holy Spirit's guidance and, and see things in toto, <laughs> shall we say, um, we see that the guilt is no longer unconscious. Now, this diagram really doesn't talk about the, the, uh, the second stage of forgiveness where they go to the inner shield of, of oblivion. But once we start looking with the Holy Spirit at the silliness of uh, the, you know, the ego strategy, it's like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, because it then becomes unfounded. We see that it was just a mistaken perception and it's an error. We're, we're allowing truth to correct all errors in our mind because it wasn't a sin. It wasn't, you know, I love that phrase I keep coming back to from Ken's. It's not evil, sinful, or wicked. It's just silly. It's just, it's totally unfounded. The jurisdiction has been changed from the ego's courtroom where everyone's guilty to the Holy Spirit's courtroom where everyone's off the hook. In fact, there was impossible to create a, uh, commit a crime. So we, we now see that that setup then uh, projected the wheel of misfortune in our, in our egoic mind. It's really never left its source. It's still there in the mind, but there's an, another arrow there that I've represented by the, the right circle that it appears to be in the world. And because our senses are so you know, convincing and we've trained them to be that way, it appears that that's the stuff that, that makes these puppets do what they do. But it's, we've forgotten that, that you know, when we look, reveal, pull back the curtain, see what's there, uh, this is just a setup. It's just a silly setup. And then we see that it's the silly seemingly separate self, not just a separate self, <laughs> that is, is identifying with our own projections and, and taking them seriously. We've taken the tiny mad idea seriously. So anyway, and, and, it's, and those ideas have never left a source. We, all, all the craziness of the ego is still there in the mind and that's where we can make the change because the locus of control in the Holy Spirit's thought system is always back in the decision maker rather than trying to fix the dream of the world and the magic doesn't need to be fixed. Why would I fix a dream? <laughs> now that I see that there's a mind where, where the cause is, I can, I can choose that thought system and just you know, laugh at the projection. And then of course we need to be really patient with ourselves because most of the time we have that curtain pretty, pretty snugly drawn in a typical day, right? So, so when we get those little bursts of inspiration, we have those holy instants and miracle moments and the curtains pull back and we can kind of, you know, laugh inwardly and sometimes outwardly where it's appropriate. Uh, just say, oh yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty silly that I <laughs> believed ego's propaganda once again. And, uh, and then it reinforces, it builds a little bit more each time and we get a little bit more peace. And, and, and then when we read these lessons like 107, where it's, you know, like Tim was saying, pretty high up the ladder, you know, we can absorb it and we can let it sink in a little bit more. We can marinate in that, that feeling of peacefulness a little bit more deeply. So. And, I, I, and you probably said this, but I mean, the gist of it is, is when I realized that my upset was a setup, I mean, it's kind of waking up. To yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That was really a setup. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> I had the right words. I just reversed them, you know. Just like everything else, ego e reverses cause and effect. It reverses everything. It turns everything bass backwards, upside down, and inside out, and and con tries to convince us that that's the real deal, you know. So yeah, like so when I, you know, like when I had that issue, when I played DJ and I had an issue with somebody here at the Montview who was upset about the volume. Right, right, right. I remember that. I kind of knew she was going to be upset. I mean, so there, the upset I was feeling was really a setup because I really set it up because I knew she was going to be upset. <laughs> and I knew she was going to come after me and she sure did. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's that, that quote that's, if he, if he spoke not of, uh, peace or truth or whatever to you you spoke not of truth to him so it's like you know we, once, once we catch it and we see that you know you know i don't you know, i was already looking for a fight i was already going into it 
you know, armed to the teeth, you know, how did that sword get back in my hand? Well, no one else and, put and it And there. I wasn't looking for it. I was begging for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Really. I was just like, oh, please, please. Is oh, this a good. private fight or can anyone join, right? <laughs> like, who threw Toto out of the car? What's that? Who threw Toto out of the car? Yeah, really. We've got to go back and get him now. Really. Well, we thought we we all thought we threw God under the bus, but then yeah. you know, you know, or Jesus. But you know, Jesus keeps reappearing in that seat next to us and saying, "No, I'm I'm fine. You you didn't throw anybody out." I have <laughs> a I have a whole new image of uh, the Holy Spirit now. It's not a bird anymore. It's it, it's a little dog <laughs> comes running yeah. up. Exactly. My back. Exactly. My so. Ego's, ego's got the hungry dogs of fear, but, but Holy Spirit's got Toto. So I think <laughs> right. size does not matter, as Yoda would say, right? No, I, I think it's essential to, to know that we have Toto, you know, yeah, yeah. and even, even through our, all our mix-ups, you know, uh, we can understand that uh, we can go back to Toto or the Holy Spirit, you know. We have Toto, as, too. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that, that helps. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. And we're all helping each other, you know, going through a, whether it's a crazy pandemic or, you know, financial uncertainty or all, all the stuff that crosses our minds during the day. If we can just like, oh, just, oh, can I just pull, Holy Spirit, help me pull that curtain back a little bit more and do it a little more frequently and a little more thoroughly. And, and, and then, the, then those moments start to interconnect and, and, and build and accumulate. And pretty soon you've got this whole network of light rather than just a few little sparks here and there. And that's what we're doing meeting like this too. It's just a reflection of that, isn't it? Yeah. Any other comments, thoughts? Who else? <laughs> well, I think it's funny that Dorothy, you know, she actually is, has such innocence and um, you know she you know when she accidentally you know melts the witch you know it wasn't even like she we don't have to really do work that hard you know the Holy Spirit is really the one who it's like just that innocent child in us is where it, our help lies if we just let it you know it it's like there's a power that we don't you know that'll take care of everything mm -hmm. and um and, you know, that mean witch, you know, was so scary. And who would have known how that, you know, just dissolved, you know. And anyway, it was just, that movie's really powerful. Yeah. yeah a lot of good metaphors in it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then, like you say, Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting. It's sort of like, sort of like those pneumatic uh, systems where um, sometimes you see those, those huge earth movers like D9s and D10s. And, you know, they have them in these huge open pit mines. You know, they're like the size of a, a building. And, but there's just one guy in there or gal. And then they're working a few levers, but the hydraulic system multiplies, you know, just a little tiny movement and makes it into a you know, much huger movement. So Holy Spirit is kind of like the multiplier. It just basically relies on that little willingness, the little decision to, you know, just let it, that thought in just a little bit. And it's kind of like years ago, when I got a pilot's license, my instructor reminded me that, uh, you know, you, all you have to do is set the trim on the, on the, on the, you know, the ailerons just, just so, and then the plane kind of flies itself. Uh, and, and, you know, again, it's sort of like that hydraulic system. You know, if you, if you have just a little bit of amplification, um, you know, it only takes just a little signal. Same way the transistor works. It basically takes a small amount of voltage and then it makes it a much bigger voltage out of it. Yeah, in paragraph three, I like how it goes into, and now you have a hint, not more than just the faintest intimation of the state of your mind. Practice. Right. Yeah. In, in when the truth has come. Yep. Just, now you got a little hint. <laughs> I like that. Goes along with what you were saying, dude. Yep. We've, got, we've got guidance all throughout the day, huh? For that correction. Well, that's all I all I put together. So anyway, hope, hope that was good. fun. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Bruce. Very good. All right. Thank you, Bruce. That was a lot of fun. Thanks all.
Thank you. That was really good. Have a good evening, all. Yeah, have a great weekend, too. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Oh, and uh, Lynn and Whitney are on tomorrow at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Correct? Correct, Lynn? Yes, 10 a.m. It's a surprise. <laughs> it's always a surprise. <laughs> Me, too. See you. Tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks. Good night.